wonder if Carlos is a Mentals fan. Awesome! 20 yards out! That is a jewel from Chile! On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com for auction your car, car auction this Saturday. You just try and satisfy him. It's not easy to do, Carlos Alberto Diego. How are you, my friend? How are you, mate? Uh, yes, uh, big fan of minerals, minerals as, as anything. So yes, it is. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, story of my life uh, in one song. Story of my life, isn't if, that? Uh, uh, one Direction. Yeah, that's songs, uh, 1D, yep. Uh, <laughs> that's what all the kitty. That's, kid, how, that's how my kitty, music's going at the moment. Yeah, story of my life, one song, mental as anything. Um, if you leave me, can I come too? Well, that, that was, was the, the one. song that. Now, I, I did a bit of mental research during uh, Sports Central during the last hour. I don't think I've come across that one too often. That's really well, 1981. It was released. I've, I've learned. Um, that was four at the time. Yep. Now and that doesn't mean it hasn't been played since. By the <laughs> yeah. way, but I can't. Uh, you got, ever I, it, it was. It's a best massive. best uh, line of a, of a song. I reckon. I, I I just remember thinking it just uh, paints a picture of so many young men who had, uh, you know, woe is me love stories back then. Who uh, with women, you know. <laughs> <laughs> deflecting away the whole time, and yes. uh, yeah, and that was sort of uh, unfortunately uh, what I experienced during the time. So uh, I was forever chasing and uh, not receiving <laughs> in those days. Half so uh, welcome to my world. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Mooney texted me when I said it was a crap song. Um, he said it's a bloody great song, Daniel. It and is big moon dog. So well, he's a fan of that song. Yeah. I can't uh, can't say I've come across it too many times. Yeah, eighty one. Uh, just uh, why are we in eighty one, Carlos? How old? Are, I had just finished year twelve. Yeah, twelve. St. Pat's College in Ballarat, the and uh, yes, uh, did they win the Herald Shield? Yes, the I think for, for, for the tenth year in a row they've won the Herald Shield again. And in those days, by the way, little known fact, I, I used to kick the pigskin around uh, St. Pat's in those days. I know you did. Yeah, I was a fat little cinnamon who uh, got a game there in the in the first eighteen, and I uh, enjoyed my football there at St. Pat's. I know you did. You're yep. one of the all-time greats on the honour boards. <laughs> all the I was. I coached Box Hill Secondary. They played in the um, uh, the Heritage Yes, final of last course. So a, a well-renowned sports school. Too. And uh, we went down to St Pat's one day. Ah, yeah. Great set up down there. Huh? Yeah, no. no wonder you're superstars down there. Absolutely. Uh, it's minus ten, but it's I great. actually went there as a soccer player as an eleven-year-old. I was a boarder there. Uh, went there as a soccer player as an eleven-year-old, and that was thoroughly punched out of me by the time I was seventeen. <laughs> and uh, I was just an AFL footballer in those days. Uh, uh, yeah. But anyway. Then I came back to Melbourne and just regained my roots again and started playing soccer. That's so, right. Became a prong. Yeah, absolutely. When you weren't uh, I was more back. of a pillar. Yeah, a pillar. Pillar in defence. You yeah. were a pillar. That's right. You weren't a prong. You were a pillar down the other end. Yeah. Doing great things. We saw a few pillars and prongs on the weekend, Carlos, with the kickoff of the EPL season. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's, it's so good to have it. But, you know, you just it's one of those ones... You be, you know, be careful what you wish for because uh, you want it to come around, but then you realise you don't sleep for 38 weeks. 
uh, for the next 38 weeks. And when you don't get your sleep on the weekend, it just sort of t- it tends to spill over into the week too. Well, it just ruins the study. Oh, I know, it just I know, ruins it. Yeah, and look, you know, and I, I tend to tape a lot of. I mean, I tend to watch the early game yeah. and then tape all the rest and just watch them during the week if I can. Um, and uh, I just again really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, you you look at round one, and uh, I've got a I've got a bit of a theory that uh, that Diego's know about, and probably Diego listeners know about. That I don't even look at the ladders until after Christmas. I don't bother. Don't bother looking at uh, where, where teams are, are placed because there's so much can happen. In this time of the year where all the grounds are really beautiful and the, and the sun's yeah, shining in England and, uh, you know, it's easy to play good football. It's when it hits the, the turbulent period, the bottleneck period in Christ, during Christmas. Yes. Where, you, don't, you say, it's a well-worn yep. saying here on yep. Halftime, that don't pay any attention no. until... After Christmas. Yeah, don't even look at the ladder till after Christmas. I, I refuse to. It doesn't matter where people are, where, where, where teams are, how well they're going. I mean, Arsenal was taking everyone by storm uh, in the first half of last season and then fell away during the uh, uh, you know the Christmas period. Don't worry about, uh, you know, people sort of ring up and they, they have a chat and they say, oh, look, look at Arsenal, look at Liverpool, they're going really, really well. I just say, let's talk after Christmas. That's where you, because they either fall apart or they, or they get a bit of momentum up. Liverpool actually... You know, had a bit of an upward, uh, uh, you know, mo- uh, uh, momentum uh, after Christmas. They started to really pick up, and yep. uh, whereas in, in past years they probably fell away. Uh, Alex Ferguson said that for many years. He, he he really didn't take much notice until after Christmas where they were at that point in time. Alex Re- Ferguson, I haven't heard him call that for ages. I know. So the Fergie. That's right. Or Sir Alex. Yeah. Well, he uh, he was a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of disciple of that whole idea of. Um, where are we going to be after Christmas? It's at that point there I can judge whether we're going to have a good run home and uh, whether we're in a position to really uh, go on and win the whole thing. And, and he became an expert on average. I think he won a Premier League title every second year as a manager. So uh, he knew what he was doing, that's mm. for sure. We had some sort of record, absolutely. So what did you make of uh, round one then, Carlos? So we saw, obviously, the, the big upset to kick it off and uh, surely Louis van Gaal's job is in um, great jeopardy <laughs> at the moment. Has to be. Has I, to be. I've got to say, you know, uh, generally, you know, first game of a, a long, long season, a, a lot of football that you played, uh, generally, you know, managers will sit back and, and just accept that first one and say, okay, you know, a bit of a hiccup, we're right, we, we, you know, we'll recruit well and, and have a bit of a positive frame. He was devastated. Louis van Gaal was very devastated. I think he probably maybe did a bit of a Mickey Molehouse, probably overstated his list, overvalued his list or overestimated his list <laughs> of players because uh, he... Um, he, they had a fantastic preseason in America. They, they, I think they won all six games. They scored sixteen goals. Uh, you know, Rooney was in rare form, and some of the younger kids who, uh, who, who wasn't sure about suddenly stood up. And uh, he went into that first game against Swansea. I mean, Swansea's had their problems too. They've lost a lot of good players, uh, and plus their manager over the last twelve months. And and they went to Old Trafford. Uh, you know, with never won there. Uh, never won there at all. And oh, uh, in, in the home away in the Premier League. Yeah, that's right. In, in the league, and uh, and you know, really, no one gave him any chance at all. And in, in fact, in the end, they were just as good as Man U were in that game, and, and they deserved the win away from home. Now, that's as bad a performance or as bad a result as what Manchester had last year under um, David Moyes, and Moyes he got the sack. So he's got to go. Yeah. So you know, what I what I'd like to throw up to the listeners is what do we learn from round one? Have, have you learned anything from round one of uh, the EPL? Do you do you sort of read any anything into Manchester United's performance? Is it one of those ones where um, 
it's more of the same from last season or uh, once you get a few other players in, things are going to turn around under Van Gaal or, um, you know, is Man United not the team that they were under Ferguson and now needs a major rebuild and they might take two or three years and and any other teams? I mean, how did our Liverpool fans out there, were you happy with the way Liverpool went given that... Um, that uh, Southampton really took it up to them. In fact, could have won the game in the end with a bit of luck. I mean, they were very good, Southampton. Were they uh, plucky? They were very plucky, given that they uh, had their, you know, I think they've lost six or seven top-line players from last season, gone to other clubs, plus their manager. And uh, Ronald Koeman's uh, really put out a, a team out there that no one knew much about, and they were very, very good at Anfield too. So what do we learn, really, uh, from round one? Well, we can open the lines on that, 9429-1116. What have you learnt from round one of the uh, EPO? Just on United for a second against Carlos. I keep hearing uh, all the experts are telling me, all the fans are telling me, we've got to go and spend some money and get some good players. I saw a stat on Twitter or Facebook or something today, a graph of uh, the money spent by teams, and I don't know which regions of the world, but mm. um, by the big teams in the last five transfer windows or something. And United was second behind PSG. Yep. Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, they were second. So it's not as if they haven't been spending United, according to those numbers anyway. I'm not sure if it went into South America or mm. or that part of the world, but certainly PSG were on top. Yeah, I, I think... Uh yeah, that's interesting. Uh, with the FIFA fair play, uh, the, the financial fair play rules, I think every team's got to be careful with how much they spend uh, and how much they're paying in wages in comparison to their turnover. I think there's a percentage of their turnover's got to go in player wages, but the rest is they've got to be actually be self-sufficient. They can't be going into into debt by you know billions and billions of dollars and uh and just keep on going down that track because all it takes is for the owner to walk away and suddenly that club's dead so uefa has really been tough on them and fine clubs uh, who are not abiding by those uh, fifa fair play financial rules um you know, Juan Mata was bought for $38 million, I think it was last yes, season uh, that was almost a bit of a panic buy uh van percy before that under under uh, Alex Ferguson, I think for a close to 30-year-old or just over 30-year-old, they paid £30 million for, which is not really something that they would normally do. Uh, and uh, Fellaini cost them. Yeah, Fellaini would have been cheap, I think. He was quite cheap, but maybe over 20. That's uh, cheap, is Well, it? probably not for him. Uh, it's probably, probably overvalued for him, but they really had missed out on so many play, big plays they were after last season that, uh, that they had to really panic by a little bit there. So, yeah, that surprised me that they're second uh, by way of transfer uh, purchases, uh, but there might have been the odd one, like Juan Mata. I mean, I think they paid overs for that because they were panicking. They just didn't have... They thought that under Moyes they'd be able to attract a lot more players, but just so they couldn't. And, that, and this is where Van Gaal's been battling too. I think they're going to have to pay overs for whoever they want to bring over uh, from... Uh, you know, they're talking about guys like Kadira, guys like Roos from, uh, you know, from Germany. Um, there's other big players. I, I noticed that today they've picked up an Argentinian uh, uh, defend, left-sided defender, Marcos uh, Rojas, who's a you know, hard-nosed Argentinian defender from Sporting Lisbon. Yep. So, uh, and they've offloaded Nani back to Portugal. So they're starting to turn a few over, uh, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But Louis van Gaal was shattered on the weekend. I hadn't seen the manager so shattered after the first game of the season. I mean, Alex, uh, if you remember Arsene Wenger last season, had a poor start to the season. He didn't even look as shattered as uh, Louis van Gaal was on the weekend. I think he expected more. 
Well, I'm sure United fans expected more as well. What did you learn from the first round of the EPL taking your calls after the break? 9.429-11.16. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Of course, the boys are back together from 11pm tonight for an hour as well, but a bit of an entree on halftime this afternoon. A bit of a mental tribute this afternoon on halftime. <laughs> going to need some help. going to need some help, Carlos. Um, for what, sorry, for this... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just to recognise some of these songs. Oh, really? I knew the one into the break. Yeah, was, I'm looking at you very, that? very differently because I was 17 when you were four years old. I'm, this is very, I should actually be running this hour. <laughs> well, you are. I'm the elder statesman here. I'm just top and tailing, just in and out of the breaks. That's all I do when you're in the studio. It's an easy gig for me. Right, there's a bit of mentals in and out of the breaks this afternoon with uh, Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game. We threw open the question to you before the break. Uh, what did you learn from week one of the EPL? There's uh, some action off the open line, 9.429.11.16. Charlie's in Crib Point to open the batting. G'day, Charlie. Uh, g'day, Daniel. Uh, Carlos, I was watching the world game that I taped from the night before. Yep. They had highlights of the French League, and after the... Um, highlights of the matches, there was a little incident in the tunnel where one player was waiting for another, oh, yeah. yep. and as he walked towards him, he headbutted him and then ran off like the little coward that he was. I saw that. Yeah. It was after the game, wasn't it? Yeah. By the way, you know, you think that this head, this guy who headbutted would have been, you know, a Scottish coal miner or a guy who played pub leagues in the UK. He's Brazilian. His name's Brandeo, and he headbutted uh, Tiago Motta. Uh, the um, uh, the P- PSG star, and uh, they, they reckon that actually, people are calling. I mean, the sports minister in France is calling for this Brazilian to be banned for life. I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, did he, I didn't uh, actually did see this that. post-game yeah. in the tunnels, yeah. and he's gone up to this dude, your mate, and yep. then headbutted him, and then run off like a shot, like a yeah. little coward. Yep. And uh, he's trying to track him down and chase him into the room, yeah. but he was stopped getting in there. But it was just... Yeah, it makes no really? sense, does it? Yeah, it makes I'm no okay sense. I'm okay with the yeah. live band. Yeah. Band them all. Yeah, yeah no. I, I, stupid stuff. There's some, there's some pretty serious calls for penalising this guy long term. And I don't know. I mean, the cameras were there. There's a lot of people in the tunnels at that time there. For him to headbutt and run away thinking that no one would have seen it uh, is crazy. So, who knows? I mean, it's a very emotional game. But uh, that so was very cowardly by the sounds of things. I very like, cowardly. I didn't see it exactly at all. Exactly so, what it was, yep. Carlos. And I'm okay with if he gets whacked yep. as hard as they need to. Thank you, Charlie, for your call. So I've just found that stat. George, uh, at G Nico on Twitter, has tweeted Halftime SEN with that stat I was mm. talking about before. The, the highest net spend in the last five transfer windows. Yep. Paris Saint-Germain, 235 poons. Yep. Manchester United, second... 165, still 70 off, like it's a good yeah. chunk. 70 uh, behind, 165 million poons. Barcelona, 155. Chelsea, 137. Real Madrid, 126. And Man City, 107 million poons. Isn't it funny because uh, people are talking about Man City, you know, really uh, affecting the landscape with all the money they were throwing at it. Of course, before that was Chelsea. But Man City's, what, sixth in the in the ranking there? Uh, yep. Uh, th- I think they were a team that were actually were fined uh, not so long ago by UEFA. Uh, for breaching the FIFA fair play financial uh, sort of uh, uh, rules that they've got out there too. So yep. uh, it's interesting that Real Madrid's down the list too. They, they seem to be spending big every Well, it's year. net spend, so it'd be buys and sells. Ah, okay. And, and uh, that's that would be the, the number there. But, I mean, obviously they've got players. They've offloaded for big numbers too, Real and Barcelona and Man City. Yeah, they turn them over a bit. Chelsea would have uh, – they've done very well offloading some players that weren't – 
in uh, Jose Mourinho's plans, and even got someone like David Luiz, who was at fault for six of the seven goals in the, in that semi final for Brazil. He does like to talk about. Yeah, I tell you what, Jose <laughs> was just chuckling to himself because I think he got fifty mil for for him. Uh, 50 million euros from PSG, no, who's at sh- the top of the list. He's a shattered unit too, yeah. and never play the same again. Jim's in Werribee, wants to talk Man U from week one. G'day, Jim. How are you, boys? Good, mate. Good. Uh, it, it's evident after week one that the recruiting of Manchester United has been diabolical for more than more than the David Moyes era. It goes back into the Ferguson era. I can't understand if they've supposedly got all this money that the Glazers have made available this transfer window that they can't actually go and land some world-class players. Now, I know they signed a couple of guys early in the window, but some of the big names bandied around at the start, they're going to go for the superstars of world football. They just can't seem to even get close to getting them. Yeah, even under Sir Alex Ferguson's reign there, Jim, um, you know, Ferguson just refused to firstly announce who he was going after and secondly pay anything he believed was over uh, the value of a player. And, of course, you know, with the advent of uh, PSG coming in, with all the money from the Qatar Foundation, and also Chelsea with uh, Branvich coming in and throwing all this money, suddenly the values of these players were going up. And the likes of uh, Wenger at Arsenal and also Alex Ferguson at Man U, they just refuse to play. And they back themselves that they would get the best out of their squad. And then they'll go for the, the odd you know, high-profile player, and that was enough for them. It's cherry-picked. Yeah, and uh, and it, it worked, I've got to say, it worked pretty well for Fergie. He did leave uh, Moyes with a basket case of a squad in the end because uh, they just weren't good enough, a lot of those guys, and they were too old, overpassed it, and they weren't listening to Moyes anyway. So that, that was a recipe for disaster. Uh, I think uh, Arsene Wenger's uh, sort of woken up to himself a little bit, uh, spending some bigger money this transfer window with Sanchez coming along and uh, and a few other players, and there's talk of other players maybe going to Arsenal. Uh, you watch, Louis van Gaal will not be uh, you know, uh, adopting that philosophy. He'll, the minute he can get the right players, he will spend whatever is required. They need to because the Manchester United brand last year took a, uh, took a global hit from a stock market point of view. What's and that's the share what, price? How's the share price? Absolutely. Yeah, the share price is really important for the Glazer family and, uh, and they took a real hit. And, you know, it's amazing how suddenly you become almost irrelevant um, once um, you have a bad season. If you have two bad seasons, suddenly the likes of Man City, who have got a fantastic global type of uh, marketing strategy now, branding strategy, Liverpool are really waking up to their potential around the world. Chelsea, I mean, we saw what happened in America. It's much bigger than the, just a game of football these days. It's a branding exercise. It's a global industri- industry. And, uh, and all these clubs now are awake to this and uh, and now touring and selling shirts all around the world and it's just it's huge and if Man U have another bad season, they they suddenly become obsolete, and that's where uh, the Glazer family will start panicking because there's a there was huge debt behind the, uh, their purchase, and uh, now they're governed by stock market rules and and the values of their shares. Uh, Jim, we'll see what happens there with the United recruiting throughout this transfer window. Len's in Heidelberg Heights. G'day, Len. G'day. Uh, just a couple of points. It's very ironic that uh, Ferguson's sort of uh, been credited with uh, lowering his pricing sort of mechanism because most of his 10 years he was always going an extra $10 million to get a Ferdinand or a, a, who's the other guy there? Oh, Cantona. Like, actually, Cantona, I think he got fairly cheap. I, I'm just wondering whether you got our lead supporters out there, man, you supporters might be able to clarify this, but I think he might have even got Cantona on a free because Leeds were willing to offload him because it's a bit too much trouble for them. So, uh, yeah, he, he would spend with a play that he rated. 
but he wouldn't broadcast that beforehand. He'd almost just pick someone up, bring them in, and then they'd become a star. And he was pretty good at that, uh, except for that last year. I think even though he won the league in that last year, he uh, he really did handball David Moyes, a, a squad that had a, a use-by date, probably, you know, should have probably uh, uh, turned over that squad a couple of years earlier. Good on you, Len. Thank you for that. We need to get to break, Carlos. It's 29 minutes to 2 o'clock. Uh, Sports Central coming up. A little bit of more love here for the Mentals. Uh, Carlos's favourite band. Nips are getting bigger here. They're getting bigger here, Carlos. Yeah, I've got a spring in my pants. Well, Absolutely. I don't, don't know if that's getting bigger, but it's great to have you with us. There's more talk about what you learned from the first week of the EPL. We've also got FFA Cup results to talk about, Carlos. Uh, the victory. It's taking They're you back to the, the Newman College balls where I used to, you know, the black tie balls where you'd be dancing the night away at Melbourne, uh, Melbourne University. You're uh, a Melbourne Uni grad too. No, no, I used to just skate crash to the Melbourne <laughs> Uni stuff. RMIT, I'm the RMIT man. All the way. It's, it's, it's Carlos's life at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks shortly. <laughs> oh, the mental is just rocking half time this afternoon, 22 <laughs> to 2. Carlos Alberto Diego from Fort Diego's. Tonight, 11 p.m. till midnight on SCN. Don't miss the boys. He's with us discussing the world game. Plenty to talk about. Uh, the opening weekend of the APL has got our attention at the minute. So 1.2 million poons for uh, yeah. Cantonale. They tell what us a steal, eh? What a Greg steal. Greg Jilston Baines, has he? Yeah, actually, uh, our listeners are so fantastic. Uh, we don't need a research department here. Just throw it well, out there and they'll find it. Well, the R&D are very good at the back. They're yeah. very good. Uh, because he, I'm pretty sure that Cantonale, even though he did show... Uh, a lot of uh, form there at Leeds wasn't a he wasn't a regular in that Leeds lineup either. I, I, I'm pretty sure that he was a bit of a problem child there. I, maybe our Leeds supporters out there would be able to tell us uh, why Cantona was offloaded by Leeds because he ended up being probably in the best twenty you know Man United players of all time. You know, and 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 Man Fergie you only saw something, mate. Fergie just saw something. Well, he, he just fair nickel. I mean, aside with the kung fu kick aside. Of the Crystal Palace van back uh, all those years ago, and the and you know multiple send offs, and he's a pretty temperamental sort of a character. But geez, I tell you what, he was what they needed in those days. He was, you know, with uh, with the uh, the Ferguson babes that came through with Beckham and Skulls and Giggs and all those guys, and you're throwing Cantona, the uh, unpredictable Frenchman, and uh, what a fantastic mix that was. Uh, a bit of feedback coming via the SMS machine as well. We'll get to that shortly. Mark's in Caulfield. G'day, Mark. Yeah, hi, fellas. Uh, just quickly, um, fell in love with uh, QPR in the early 70s when I lived in, in London. Yeah, uh, Stan Bowles, uh, Jerry Francis. Uh, Givens, Phil Parker, yeah. Boys, what a team, what a team. Jerry Venables, of course. Yep. Um, but the question I've got is, having gone back up again like a yo-yo, uh, is just, it's the first game loss mean anything? Uh, they've, got, you know, they've recruited a bit, but not great. Uh, a bit limited by money, and uh, I think Glenn Hoddle's just gone as assistant coach as well. Yeah. The mighty Hull Tigers, of course, 1-0 over QPR. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, look, given that they last time we were in the Premier League, they had a losing run of 17 games, and that's what relegated them in the end. I know Harry Redknapp... You know, tried to talk it up every because uh, he took over from the previous manager, and uh, had he really got him at a time where it was just too late to save them. Even though I think they were pretty plucky for for a lot of it, but uh, they but they were on a such a long losing streak. I don't think you'll see this QPR team go on such a long streak. I mean, guys like Rio Ferdinand, he was probably at fault for Chester's header. Uh, that uh, the winning goal from Hull City on the weekend. He even came out on Twitter and said, listen, it was my fault, I put my hand up, but we played really, really well, and I'm looking forward to a really good season. Uh, I, I reckon you won't see the same QPR team that uh, were last in the EPL that got relegated. 
but at the same time, it's going to be really, really tough for them to stay up. But he's got a good mix of experience in there. I think Rio will be fairly good for them, and there's a few others. I thought I, thought I saw Richard Dunn in that team also, and I think uh, Joey Barton's back from France. So there's real experience in there. These guys are winners. So uh, they've just got to do enough to stay up this year, and then uh, Harry, uh, Harry could actually build on that, I think. Thanks for your call on that. I appreciate that. Carlos, off the SMS. Just a bit of feedback via the Mighty Machine here. Max in North Fitzroy says, I've been a Chelsea follower at a distance since Holland's in the mm. late 60s and 70s, and it make more sense to you, I reckon. And I've learned that with uh, Cesc Fabregast and the fabulous Diego, Chelsea will be on top again. Followed up by, afternoon gents, what I've learned from round one, now that we have a proper striker and a mid that can see and deliver a pass, uh, bracket Fabregast, yep. and a great bench. I think this could be our season, says Bogdan. In, uh, well, he's a Chelsea fan. Yeah, look, these are Chelsea fans who have relied on Fernando Torres over the last number of years after the big £50 million transfer from Liverpool. He's been really, really disappointing. Diego Costa is a good player. He's a fantastic player. Um, Atletico Madrid, he was one of the reasons why they won the league in uh, La Liga last season. He uh, he was okay for for um, Spain, I suppose, uh, in a in a poor overall poor performance in the World Cup. And um, And look, you know, it's a good sign that he scored. Uh, early, the pressure's off him now, and he can just play uh, free-flowing football as a striker there for Jose Mourinho and Cesc Fabregas. I think, I think uh, after such a, a poor run at Barcelona, he certainly didn't cement himself as an established player there. Coming back to England, he's got, probably got a point to prove, and under Jose Mourinho, he'll give him uh, you know all the support he can. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when Chelsea plays Arsenal how the Arsenal fans will react. And if there's Arsenal fans out there, give us a ring or shoot us a text. How are you going to react when uh, Cesc Fabregas goes to the Emirates uh, wearing a Chelsea blue shirt? Uh, are you going to boo? Are you going to you know, stand up and respect? Or Especially if he scores a winning goal or creates an assist for the winning goal. Uh, how are you going to react to that? Because I think uh, he was Arsenal through and through. I'm, I'm surprised that Wenger didn't go after him when he was available. Um, John in Perth says, first game of the EPL, new players at Liverpool need to gel. Forward structure and defence needs some time. Solid start. Sterling's going to have a good cracking year. Yeah, and I think they still need that marquee play. If they want to go to the next level, especially in the EPL and win it, and uh, if they want to you know, go deep into the Champions League, they need to replace uh, Luis Suarez. I know people are saying Sturridge and uh, Sterling are great players, but they're not Luis Suarez, and they haven't replaced him yet. And uh, you know, all, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers will still really do well with this squad, but there is talk about Edson Cavani uh, from PSG, the Uruguayan forward. Uh, there's Ezekiel Lavezza, who... Um, coffee, yeah, a good player from Argentina, Argentinian player. They reckon they might be toying with them. Uh, Marco Roos, uh, the German, uh, apparently has knocked them back and he's staying in Germany. So they are looking for that big player, uh, even though... You know, Roos might have gone close to being a Suarez, but I'm not quite... Uh, Levitza is a good player too. And uh, Edson Cavani, I was disappointed with him in the World Cup. So I don't think that they're really, uh, you know, like for like with uh, Suarez. But uh, they, they need a big player. I think they need someone there to help uh, Sturridge yep. uh, and actually even be the marquee player over and above everything else they've got there at Liverpool. Matt's in Kilsyth. He's on the open line, 949-1116. G'day, Matt. Hey, lads. How are you? Good. Hey, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan and wanted to join in the Fabregas talk. Um, I'm disappointed on one hand, but happy on the other. Because he left Barcelona, Arsenal put a clause into his contract that they'd get half the transfer fee when he moved on from Barcelona. So I think the fee that he went to Chelsea for was around $25-30 million. So Arsenal got half of that. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. I thought the Arsenal had a clause that they would get first call on his services. 
Yeah, they get first call and they will first refusal on his services, yep. but also half the transfer fee oh. when he moved on because at the time Barcelona weren't able to pay the entire fee up front. Yep. So they've had to pay the rest of his transfer fee plus the half of him moving on. But the reason I'm disappointed is because he's gone to play for a man of Jose Mourinho who, when he was at Barcelona and Mourinho was coaching Real Madrid, um, Mourinho slammed Arsene Wenger, who Fabregas called his the father... Uh, his second father type figure. Yep. Um, and then he also slammed um, Tito Villanova and Pepe Guardiola, saying that they weren't they weren't great coaches and Fabregas should like players like Fabregas shouldn't be looking up to them. And Fabregas actually came out and said that he was incredibly hurt by the comments that Mourinho had made. Yeah. So I, I find it incredibly disappointing that as an Arsenal, like he once made a tweet that got retweeted overnight, mm. saying once a gunner, always a gunner. And he's yeah. gone off, and now he's playing for the Blues. So I'm disgusted with that. But if you remember, if, if you remember, Matt, when he uh, went to Barcelona for about two or three years before, it happened almost for the, every Arsenal marquee player. Pat, Patrick Vieira was one, Van Persie. They always agitated for about three years before they ended up going. And mm. Fabregas, for every year, for about three years prior to when he left, there was always talk and debate whether he's going to stay. And he was sort of almost a little agitating for a move. And they almost have a deal with Fingers. I'll stay one more year, but you're going to have to let me go for nothing at the end of it. And that's where he ended up going. So this whole thing about once a gunner, always a gunner, he did agitate for a move uh, for a few years before he actually ended up going. And, um, yeah, look, I'm not sure. Sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding because everything's done through the media. When he sat down with Jose, there might have been uh, just a, you know, just a, just, I don't know, the, the friendship may have built. They may have put any of the mis- misunderstandings uh, aside. And now he's going to play for, for a man that uh, everyone thought he didn't like. But he, every, the way every he played it. Price, absolutely. Uh, even though, the, 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 as we said, uh, during the break, uh, half these guys are all independently wealthy. I don't think they get motivated by money anymore. It's uh, what they can achieve. And Chelsea are a big chance to win the league this year. Well, there you go. And uh, he was pretty good the other night, too, the other morning as well for Chelsea was Cesc. 13 to 2. After the break, more discussion with Carlos Alberto Diego. Oh, we are mentals. Anything here on uh, halftime this afternoon with Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game. Carlos, FFA Cup uh, round continued last night. Uh, what yeah. did we have? We had a few games played last night. Yeah, uh, two games played. Uh, Hakoa Sydney City and those uh, old NSL buffs out there would know the the great Hakoa sides of the early the eighties. Uh, and uh, I think Hakoa uh, Hakoa uh, Sydney City right. and uh, okay. and they won the ch- uh, NSL like four times in a row. They had big, big, strong players uh, in that squad and uh, some of the best players. And most of the players who played for Australia during the late 70s came from Harkawa, Sydney City. Um, They lost against Palm Beach Sharks from Queensland. Yeah, 2-1. So uh, Palm Beach go to the next uh, round, I think, uh, uh, the quarterfinals. And then Sterling Lions, they were the only team that really been thrashed by an A-League side. Brisbane Roar did them away from home 4-0. I heard they were a bit stiff, though, the Lions. Uh, you think so? They, they were a bit plucky, and some yeah. of their prongs had some chances. Yeah, actually, they didn't score. Brisbane didn't score for about uh, 30 minutes. So yeah, we held them off. Yeah, for 30 minutes or so, but then they, the floodgates opened up 4-0. Uh, and tonight, right. don't worry, uh, you know, Melbourne Victory fans have been waiting for Melbourne Victory to play a fair income game. Are they playing tonight? Yeah, playing in Bayswater in uh, WA. 
Well, it's oh, Bayswater City Bayswater they're playing. City. So oh, not Bayswater just up the road here. Yeah, no, they're playing uh, oh. Bayswater City. By the way, Bayswater City, you did a bit of homework on them. Uh, Chris Coyne, a former Socceroo, Perth Glory man, played a lot of years overseas in the uh, in the English in English leads. Uh, he's uh, the coach. Uh, the brother is James Coyne. He's in the side. Yep. Uh, Sam Mitchinson, who actually was a fullback for Melbourne Heart last season. Uh, he's over there playing for them, so they've got some uh, some decent uh, former, there. yeah, decent former um, A League players playing for them, and uh, they're up against victory. I'm not sure. I mean, Muskie's been interviewed, and he talks about being confident about everything, but I'm not sure whether he's going with a sort of a, a younger squad over there and giving people a go, or whether he's going to go with his full don't squad. Take them lightly, mate. Do not yeah, take no, them don't lightly. take them don't lightly. Be the embarrassment of losing to yep. Bayswater City, yep. I wouldn't have thought. And the other game is South Coast Wolves. Uh, from Wollongong and they're up against Central Coast Mariners. So this is the last round of the romantic stuff. Yes. And it uh, gets really fair dinkum in the next round in the quarterfinals, uh, last 16, where um, some of the giant killers are up against A-League sides uh, in, a, in a fair dinkum game where everyone's going to get very, very nervous. I can't wait for that. Looking forward to that. And just on uh, other games, so West Sydney Wanderers playing Guangzhou Evergrande, are they? Yes. Uh, last eight of the Champions League. That's on tonight, by the way. And uh, but just to give you a little bit of idea about the difference between these uh, teams. Right. Uh, we, and, of course, West Sydney Wanderers, we've got a lot of respect for them, what they've done in the, in the two seasons they've been involved with the uh, A-League. But Evergrande, this squad... Uh, is estimated to be on a combined salary of fifty million. Righto. I'm not sure whether that's Australian dollars or or euros or pound, but anyway, it's fifty million. It's a lot. Uh, Wanderers, <laughs> the uh, A League salary cap is two point five five million for the entire squad. So if you're looking at resources, uh, and by the way, you know, uh, I think the other day Marcello Lippi, the coach of the uh, Evergrande team, he decided to um, uh, purchase. Uh, an Italian international, Alberto Giladino, who scored 16 times Is in the... one of your relatives? <laughs> no, no, not one of my relatives. But he's... There's a double Italian prong set up at the front of... Uh, at the top end or at the pointy end of this uh, Grandview Evergrande side. Alessandro Diamante, who they signed last year as a big signing. He was good against the victory last year, wasn't he? Yes, he's very good, yeah. yes. And Giladino's yeah, even a better player than him. And, Is he? Yeah, they're both great players. Uh, they're the two uh, twin prong up the pointy end of the... Uh, <laughs> Guangzhou Evergrande Chinese team. And by the way, not that it means much, but the uh, uh, 16 of the 26-man squad of the Chinese team are part of the China national team, which right. is not great. They don't they don't qualify for anything, but it just shows that they're, they're high-quality players. Good luck to the Wanderers tonight. Just on West Sydney Wanderers, Carlos, any yep. truth to the Tony Popovich-Crystal Palace discussion? According to Tony, no, uh, but... Uh, it, there was a rumour going out that he may have been uh, there to replace Tony Pulis, but uh, no, they're going to go with someone else. Um, there's talk about Mulkey Mackay, the guy who was uh, sacked by Cardiff last season, that he might be taking over, which is good for Miller Yednek. Well, yeah. It's good to have a manager anyway. Well, it's nice to have a manager. <laughs> That's so, right. But Tony, no go. No, no, no. He's, he's refuted that, but I think some of his mates in the Australian media may have put, been pushing for him. Ah, the old chestnut. Let's, That's how it happens, mate. Let's do it through the yeah. media. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it through SEN if you want, Tony. Give us a call, 949-1116. Carlos, great to chat to you. Look forward to listening tonight from 11. Thanks, mate. For Diego's tonight from 11 on SEN.